there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Frank, hello, listener. All right. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now Amazon Music Podcasts. That's right. We release new episodes every Friday, so you can get your weekend started with a big old bango, bingo, bingo, boom of our uh, rock and roll nonsense. That's right. For any of those new listeners out there, this is a podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other, we review them, plus we have a wide variety of musical discussions like our Spotlight series where we dig into a band's catalog and we see what comes out on the other side. Or in our verse series where we'll pit two albums or bands against each other and make them duke it out for total stereo domination <laughs> i'm good i'm okay, I'm okay. nice i was yeah. like you're cutting a promo from the ultimate warrior back in the 90s or something <laughs> there you go be sure to check us out on instagram and our facebook group we like to drop additional content that will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and of course mark's random nonsense and if you got a good record you want us to check out drop a comment wherever you find this while you're at it subscribe give us a rating a review so i say this as i always do and mark says it to me mark how are you my man Frankie, I'm good, brother. Ready to eat my body weight in turkey. Uh, if you're listening to this the day it came out, I just ate my body weight in turkey. Uh, plus, we've got a great show in store for you, our darling listeners. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we do, brother. So, leading up to a very special 49th and 50th episode. Um, yes. However, the lead up you know, is going to be uh, focused on the debut album of a band that's intertwined with our subjects for the 49th and 50th episode. So we're going to be talking about and looking at the first and self-titled record from Foo Fighters. So yes, you could probably guess what episodes will be after this. We've seen Foo Fighters actually live before. We're at the same show and it was very entertaining and energetic. Uh, yeah, they didn't play much from, <laughs> they didn't play much from the self-titled album, uh, but we felt it was one that we should uh, look back, right, Mark, and and see how it aged. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned this uh, last week. You, you know that when I was a, a young teen, I, I fell in love with this record, um, or actually, it was the cassette. Um, it's it's always been my favorite album um, of theirs, um, and I think it still is to this date. Um, but it's been a long time since I've, I've actively listened to this record, short of preparing for the episode tonight. Um, so it was really interesting to dive back in and, and see what it was that 13 year old Mark on his bicycle was so into. Yes. You know, I would love to meet 13 year old Mark on his bicycle, by the way. <laughs> so weird. So I, I spent the week and I, I did a complete dive into the entirety of the Foo Fighters catalog. I, I've been neck deep in the Foo Frank. Wow. In the Foo. Amazing, amazing. So before we then get to the Foo, let's yeah. do a top list. So, so this Foo Fighters album, it came out in 95. So let's focus on that year. And I'll take uh, my top 10 albums of 95. And sure. Mark, why don't you take your top 10 songs of 95? And we uh, go back and forth. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds lovely. Lovely. All right. So should I, you want me to kick us off? Uh, you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead. Um, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and kick us off? You, yeah. You should. Wah, 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 wah. All I right. So now, because uh, Frank, Frank skipped this. Uh, neither one of us put Smashing Pumpkins uh, 
that hunk of garbage, melancholy, and the infinite sadness. Look, I know that there's three or four singles on that double LP, double <laughs> CD. But if you take those three or four songs off that CD, it's completely forgettable. It is a piece of shit album. The Smashing Pumpkins suck. I get it. You liked one or two of their songs. The rest of it sucks. Yeah. Maybe so I actually, I was going to say four. that. I was- yeah, I was gonna say for your for just so everyone wants to know, you know, if, if this was Mark's list, I, I I can tell you he wouldn't have melancholy and infinite sadness on there. So um maybe we'll dedicate an episode and get Mark really revved up one time. I know, right. I know. All right, kicking us off. Here we go. In no particular order. This is remember I'm doing albums, Mark's doing a song. So the first album for me is No Use for a Name, Leche con Carne. I love No Use for a Name. And I miss Tony Sly's music more and more with each year that he's been gone. Uh Leche had some great tunes like Justified Black Eyes, Soulmate, Straight from the Jacket, and Exit. It's really the archetype of a mid-90s fat record release. So no use for a name, Leche con Carne. Yeah, my uh, my first uh, mine are kind of in order, but not particularly. Number ten for me, uh, 1995 garbage released. I'm only happy when it rains uh, from their self-titled album. I remember seeing the video for this and being so blown away by the band uh, singing about being sad and how deeply I connected with it. Plus, it's just a weird ass video. I think a lot of people would have expected me to put um, stupid, stupid girl. Here. girl. <laughs> But I really like this song better. There's there's so much more musically going on with I'm Only Happy in the Rain, uh, when it rains, excuse me. Um, it's just the cooler song to me. I know it didn't get as much love. Um, right. But say, in the mid-90s, we loved shaming women. So, You know, and your good tie-in to what's to come for our episodes because Butch Vig of Garbage produced Nevermind. So, you know, you <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he produced a lot of that. So, uh, good tie in there. Uh, my next one is Face to Face with their album Big Choice. So, a band that's on a similar level for me, like No Use for a Name. Uh, I've always found Face to Face to have great replay value, even though their music, I would say, wasn't groundbreaking. And Mark does have lemon heads, just so everyone knows. Pink You're lemonade. I'm just enjoying them. 25 cents, right? <laughs> So, um, again, face-to-face's music wasn't groundbreaking, but to me it was consistent. And Big Choice is another consistent record with fun tunes like AOK, It's Not Over, and Promises. And it also had some major label backing from A&M. So, face-to-face with Big Choice. Excellent. So, for me, uh, this is kind of my number nine pick, kind of kind of whatever. Um, shimmy, Shimmy, yeah. That's right. Talking about Old Dirty Bastard. ODB. Masterpiece from his first solo release encompassing everything that makes him truly big baby Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't talk about 95 without giving uh credit to where it's due to old dirty bastard. And there you go, old DB. So, number three, uh, Silver Chair and Frog Stomp. And uh, this could be a surprise here. Uh, this is the 15 year old version of me putting this on the list. So, <clears throat> let me let me enter the room as 15 year old Frank, okay. You have that much hair hidden back there? <laughs> On my head, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark, how's it going? It's Frank. Hey, Frank, what's going on, bud? Not much. So there's this cool record. It's from Silver Chair, Frog Stomp. Uh, those, really... those Australian anorexic kids, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I was 15 when this record came off. 
came out. And wow, you know, if I, I used to envision of being a 15 year old rock star, because I was the same age as they were. Right. So I was like, oh, this is freaking awesome. Uh, I, I really dug the tracks, Israel Sun, Tomorrow, Pure Massacre, Suicidal Dream. Uh, I thought they were really cool and riffy. I used to sit and listen to the tape nonstop from front to back. Uh, Daniel Johns, I, I think, found some great tone with his guitars and produced some cool riffs. It's a shame that he abandoned that for uh, Janet Jackson style music. Um, but you know what? Uh, this album is pretty cool. 15 year old uh, band and or 15 year olds in this band playing. Uh, so, yeah, that was mine. Silver Chair, Frog Stomp. Excellent. Excellent. My uh, my next choice is not other than White Zombies, More Human Than Human. Uh, I never realized how long the name of the album was. It's Astro Creep colon 2000 Songs of Love, Destruction and Other Synthetic Delusions of the Electric Head. Wow. Yeah. I love how Rob Zombie found a way to make uh, industrial metal and B-horror movies collide uh, into just like such a fun and funky time. Uh, just really cool. Um, very uh, en enigmatic of what the mid 90s sounded like as metal and industrial really verged into each other. Um, the album as a whole is pretty cool, but that song in particular is the highlight. It's just got that drive. It's just a cool song um, to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, and I don't know why it didn't make my list. I, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Next, we have listen. We have an out. We have two two episodes on these. I'm not going to speak long on them, but Fugazi, Red Medicine. It's my all time favorite Fugazi album. You can refer back to our two part exhausting episodes where me and Mark mm -hmm. went into therapy, uh, spotlighting the band for more information. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely check out that episode in our archive wherever you find us. Um, for me, my next pick is uh, No Doubt and the song Sunday Morning. Oh, yes. Um, debut album, Tragic Kingdom. Back when they were uh, a ska band and they did it so well. Um, this was probably my favorite single release from the album. It helped, me, it helped to introduce me to ska on a form I hadn't really heard before, you know, with yeah. a woman singing. Um, I know that there were plenty more out there before Gwen Stefani. Um, but at 13, it was the first time I had heard it and it, it blew my mind and I, I was just super into it. And Sunday Morning's just such a cool track. Um, and it's so much cooler than the other singles off that record. Yeah, that's a good song. My wife would be happy that you had that in there because she's a big, no doubt, Gwen Stefani fan. In fact, uh, after she saw her live a couple years back, I uh, tweeted her saying, hey, listen, my wife really had a great time. Thank you. She tweeted back. And then also when she released her Christmas album a couple years back, uh, my wife sends her a picture on uh, Twitter again of the girls dancing to it. And she replied back also. So uh, she's, she's a legit person uh, and uh, an Italian like me. So there you go. So next, the next one is uh, the 311 album uh, self-titled uh, 311. Uh, I, I, I think their first two are absolutely flawless music and grassroots. I love it. And the self-titled has some gems. I mean, you have down, which made them, really big all mixed up hive misdirected hostility there's like five to seven genres going on here all at once uh it's a great album and uh i i really dig it so that's mine mark 311 311 well i'm catching up to you a little bit here uh my next track is silver chairs tomorrow off rock stomp there you go uh, another cd that i played the hell out of either walking or riding my bike home from school um uh, the song was just cool as shit and, and it really rocked it was you yeah. know they did a great job of 
taking the grunge movement that was essentially starting to end and mixing it with the 90s alt that was happening and really for these 15 year old kids like frank said they really found a way to make a, a really smart and interesting record so definitely yeah. check out tomorrow i mean just such a great song yeah really really cool mm-hmm. um next again much like uh, the fugazi album i mentioned we we have a spotlight episode on the following band rancid and out come the wolves uh you'll hear our thoughts on this incredible album it's nothing short but incredible it's amazing so rancid and out come the wolves yeah uh this next song you could not have made it through the 90s without hearing it's Everclear santa monica wow yeah man this thing was all over the radio it had those jangly-ish guitars uh which just kind of like just kind of hints of fuzz and then like it just kicked perfectly into that distortion course and the hook in it just pulls you in every time it's kind of that perfect 90s alt song like it really just felt that like define that genre yeah but they, they actually you know what's interesting with them is around that that time because there's another song on that record um called heroin girl which i really dug like there was a little bit of an edge and then by like the next album it went that was it so that but that but that song in particular it captures that that moment in time yeah uh next is another self-titled record it's from elliot smith so elliot smith's self-titled record elliot smith such a tortured soul he was and elliot made some i mean beautifully sad songs the second album i feel is phenomenal with uh tracks like needle in the hay southern bell christian brothers single file and coming up roses um another artist i just miss very dearly elliot smith this my next song is uh from from elliot smith off the elliot smith album it's called elliot smith um no i'm just kidding uh, my <laughs> song, uh, is uh from folk implosion natural one natural one that's right from their album kids which for some reason is not on spotify um another another one of those mid-90s alt gems that is intentionally weird but in like a fun way um plus the chorus is super catchy and it just gets stuck in your head like and i think this is a little bit where a lot of the rock kids started getting into like techno and dance music because it just had that big like yeah rave-esque energy to it big um, sound it yeah song. it was a really interesting sound for the band um it's just it's just a cool one if you're like i need to listen to something 90s find fucking uh natural one on youtube because it's not on spotify uh, and just have a good time with it yeah yeah that's interesting <laughs> Um, next is Deftones Adrenaline, their first album. So we covered the second album in an episode around the fur on a previous episode, but this is the first one and I feel it's still pretty awesome. Uh, I, I know there's that stigma of new metal and we outlined it, how it's different from all the other stuff. I mean, we've been that, uh, you know, like a dead horse for sure, <laughs> but the album is where it's, this album is where it started for the band. It has some great raw tracks on here, uh, really showcases a lot of their talent. So Deftones Adrenaline. Nice. So, uh, my number uh, three track, yeah, eight, three. Wait, however, we're counting this um, is a, is again. I'm catching up to Frank here. Three eleven down. There you go. Uh, a personal favorite of our co-host here, Mr. Frankie D. Uh, you can't understate how this song and band would shape the sound of music to come for the rest of the '90s and into the early aughts. Um, you know, you just credited the Deftones for some new metal stuff, but I think three eleven more broadly influenced um maybe some of the lighter end of it yeah uh, 
because they definitely had that beachy, surfy sound, but they also got heavy. Uh, you know, clearly you can draw a straight line from 311 to Incubus, um, you know, which who were absolutely goddamn huge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and of course, it, in my opinion, this is um, the way cooler version of what Limp Biscuit has been trying to rip off their entire career. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, uh, next, and uh, this is good. This is a good one. So, Green Day Insomniac. So, Mark, we were talking about the record earlier, of course, during the day. But this is my favorite Green Day album. It's punk. It's pissed off. Uh, they did make another Dookie, and they showed the world that they could be a punk band. Geek Stink Breath, Brain Stew, Jaded, Brat, Stuck with Me. Uh, they captured this classic Green Day sound uh, and some at this time. So, Green Day Insomniac, man, it's such a good record. Yeah, uh, my, my number two, number nine, how we're counting this thing, is Geek Stink Breath. I mean, oh, just, love man, it. Green Day is pissed off after Dookie, and it's it's got my full attention. Geek Stink Breath is, is a perfect example of how they took the signature pop punk sound and just gave it teeth, um, a sound I know both of us would have loved to have seen the band actually follow yes. instead of going back to the softer pop punk. But Such a good record, such a good record. And number 10, again, you know, we did an episode recently on The Boss and uh, it goes to Tom Joad, right? So, um, you know, we referenced that album in that episode, so check it out. But I personally think it gets lost uh, in, in the in the shuffle of his stuff, especially for the casual Springsing fan. But, uh, man, this is this is great. So it goes to Tom Joad that also came out on in uh, in 95 that that uh, rounds up my list. Very nice. Uh, my last selection, uh, I was really tempted to go with the title track of Ghost of Tom Jones for this, um, but I really awesome. I just wanted to take the opportunity um, to kind of push my finger into the shoulder for people who can't listen, who don't listen to what we actually say enough. Rancid, Time Bomb, we've said enough about how amazing and Outcome the Wolves is, but it, right. it doesn't mean that I can't crown Time Bomb with my favorite song of 95. It, it keeps you dancing and singing the whole time. It, it's just cool as fuck. It really it is. is. Um, and it's it's such a great example of why Tim Armstrong, Lars Fredrickson, why this band is so good. Um, it, it's just all encompassed in that one song. I mean, the record's fucking flawless. And this is just one of those high notes on a great fucking record. Yeah, definitely. I always feel it's underappreciated, you know, when the song comes up, you know, in Sirius on like the lithium channels. And I'm like, even though it's not really it's not grunge, but it kind of gets clumped into that time period. And I'm like, man, I'm like, this is underappreciated if you stack it up against the popularity of everything else. So um, it's so good. So good. See a lot of our list, Mark, it kind of uh, blends into to each other there. Some blending and, and some some diverging. Yeah, absolutely. Some, some blending. Yeah, whatever we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, whatever we're doing here. I get only the people on YouTube now. That's right. Uh, and and your lemon heads over there. <laughs> nice. Chewy lemon heads. I apologize. I didn't say the chewy part. Yeah, well, they're not paying us, so it's okay. Yes. But, uh, you know, I don't want to break any teeth. So. There you go. There you go. All right, Mark. So Foo Fighters self-titled album review quick back history and uh, backstory and initial reaction. Obviously, after the death of Kurt Cobain in 1994, Dave Grohl went into an obvious depression. He couldn't play music and even questioned if he would continue to play music. Uh, makes sense. Uh, Grohl started appearing in random performances, and from that enjoyment, he wanted to do his own musical project. So he booked six days in a studio in Seattle where he would record these songs, 
playing all the instruments. And I remember hearing them on the radio and having no idea at the time, no idea that it was Dave Grohl from Nirvana and this is his new band. I remember hearing the band's name and being like, oh, Food Fighters. Everyone would kind of say that kind of uh, snarky comment. But uh, Mark, let's talk about your initial reaction about hearing uh, this band back in the day. Yeah, yeah, this was a pivotal time in music discovery for me. Um, As we kind of linked that so far in the episode, a lot of what was coming out of rock and alternative uh, music scenes were either kind of corporate bubblegum, rocky shit, punk before we knew that it was pop punk, and and metal um, was taking a weird turn into the industrial scene. Yes, Um, so true, so true. So the Foo Fighters, to put out a record that had some rock momentum to it, and a little tongue-in-cheek humor, it, it, it was a welcomed addition to me. It, it felt very fresh um, compared to what else was in the, the music scene at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you really bring an interesting point, too, because we are about to make that turn where rock is doing that kind of industrial thing a couple years later that really took took a lot of the music by storm there uh, and and was really what was being played. So very, very interesting to note that. So here we go. Does this record still hold up? Uh, here's our track by track review, Mark. So you take us away. This is a call. Oh, that's the name of the first song. This is a call. Uh, <laughs> first, it's kind of a, a weird, it, it, it is kind of weird deep diving into an album after so long and seeing how much of it is just kind of nonsense lyrics. It's kind of yeah. sad. Uh, that said, like all good Foo Fighters singles, it's got a, a great chorus uh, that hooks you and they break out the rock and roll in the back. Um, I'm into it. It's, it's a cool song. <laughs> so this is the first song I, I heard from them. I, I'm, again, unbeknownst to me that this was Grohl's new band. Uh, I dug it, but I thought it was a bunch of nonsense lyrics with the fingernails, the medicine, the Ritalin, but it was a good loud rocking song. Uh, re-listening to it, I still think it's it's a good proper kickoff to the album. Uh, this song, uh, I think it, it's almost maybe a forgotten single in their catalog, especially if you're seeing them live. And you know this could be maybe the 10th or 12th song that you think of that you would want to hear maybe uh maybe that's just maybe for me um and and that being said i think listening back to it i i realized i wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of it i appreciated more as far as uh, you know it being a lead-off single and obviously kicking off the album um so i don't hate it by any means i was just saying the grand scan grand scheme of their songs i was never the biggest fan um of it but you know that's that's how it goes but a song I am a fan of is I'll Stick Around. So this is the first song I heard. Uh, th- th- this is called the first song I heard from them, but this was the first video I saw for them, which is I'll Stick Around. And I remember saying, that's the guy from from Nirvana. Uh, the video was directed by a guy named Jerry Casal, who was a member of the band Devo and produced a number of Devo's videos. So that's an interesting tie-in there. And another fun fact for the videos, there was supposed to be a girl representing Courtney Love, uh, but the band's management, uh, they vetoed it. Um, so when he's saying, I don't owe you anything and I'll stick around, I'm pretty sure he's saying that to Love. Um, I think it's one of the best and top tier Foo Fighters songs. To me, it's classic grunge sounding, and I think the song totally holds up. What about you, Mark? This always felt like the most Nirvana to me. Uh, it holds up beautifully and really shows off that Dave can write um, a badass rock slash grunge song. Uh, he understood everything from the harmonies to the distortion and, and how long to play it out. Really great song here. Um, mm-hmm. The next track is Big Me. Big Me. 
big me to talk about it. Um, so this song has always felt like kind of a 60s jangling number to me that doesn't really go anywhere musically. It, it's kind of just one part. Lyrically, it's probably the best work on the record, I think. Um, however, like I said, musically, it never really builds too much and just kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, it, it just feels like Dave Grohl with his uh, electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, just dancing in place in front of a microphone. Um, I would love to have seen this get heavy or fast or do something else musically. It just kind of chooses not to. Yeah, it's just kind of there, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with this song. At first, I didn't like it like at all like it, it it annoyed me but then the video that was the parody of the mentos commercial and i was like okay this is funny i kind of i kind of get what's going on now so when i think of the song i i think of the video but you know let's break that down for a second is the the video was more memorable than the song to me what what does that say right uh I mean, it never did anything for me, kind of where it, it felt stagnant, just as you were saying. Again, I don't hate it, but it's nothing short of a pop song in Rock's clothing. Um, but, uh, you know, the commercial, or not the commercial, the video made it fun. So there you go. <laughs> Track four, Alone and Easy Target. Okay, this could be my favorite Foo Fighters song in their catalog. It, it's Whoa. nice. Yeah, it's nice melodic with heavy guitars. Knowing... Uh, Grohl is on drums here. Uh, you could just hear his style clearly. Uh, ironically, and supposedly, uh, the tune is about uh, Kurt's dissatisfaction with Dave's drumming, hence the metronome lyric. Uh, I find that funny as Grohl, as a musician, to me, seems more technically sound than Kurt was. So, uh, you know, there's many performances that were very vocally subpar, accompanied by sloppy guitar playing uh, from, from Kurt. But anyway, this chorus is my favorite part, and you could just hear the quick changes in the chords again. Uh, I could firmly say right now, this is my favorite on the album. We'll have to see if that changes as the night goes on. It, yeah, I doubt it. Um, yeah, but honestly, getting back to what you said, this is probably why Kurt was a better songwriter mm -hmm. than Dave was, but Dave is definitely the better musician. Um, good, good way to put it. Good way to put it. For next week, though. Yeah, um, no, great way to put it, though. Uh, you know, we get a solid return to the grunge overtone here. The chorus here it is a little weak for me. I felt like he could have done more with it uh, lyrically. Um, I, I wish there had been a little bit more overdub or somebody else singing with him on the course just to really beef up that sound. But then again, you know, the song is about being alone. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, and we kind of brought up the question about how much of this, I mean, to me, we brought up the question, how much of this album is about Kurt, um, Kurt Cobain and, and his death and, and dealing with that? Um, and how much of it is... It's just what Dave Grohl was was working on as all of this happened, as he was known to be a songwriter the whole time anyways. Um, so it's really interesting um, that there are these songs, like Alone and Easy Target, that feel Nirvana. Right. But are just slightly off or are just yeah. slightly different, they're, you know, but they're clearly not. So it's an interesting thing. And, and it really, you see it the most on this record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you bring up a good point, too, with the limitations maybe of him just being the sole person to do everything because, like, it just relies on him, right? So if you would like to hear somebody in the background, oh, sorry, it's just him, you know? <laughs> right. Which is interesting because it's the same thing No Doubt did on their album released the same year where Gwen Stefani does all of her own backup vocals. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, yeah. But it's one of those things, for me, in that chorus, I would have liked to hear him doubled 
or have an extra voice back there just yeah. to fill the sound of it because it feels a little bare for that yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. So for me, uh, or not for me, for, for everybody, uh, track number five is called Good Grief. Uh, this song's about Charlie Brown, right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, this is Dave giving us a nice up-tempo, up-tempo rock number. Uh, we get these gritty palm-muted guitars that rock pretty hard, and he backs off enough to give it that uh, earnest little guitar solo. Um, I just wish the, the, the screamed lyrics at the end were a bit more audible, as I always had a hard time understanding what he's saying. I know supposedly the last words are good grief, um, but there's something yelled before that. The, the, the vo- vocal pattern of it isn't good grief, and I can't tell you what it is, and it drives me nuts. Right. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's all right. It's just, there's a little too much just, just yelling straight through it um, that makes it a little difficult to listen to, and it also kind of pushes the album onto a different track. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I actually like this song. I like the speed and it's that version of punk that's not like classic sounding punk, but you could tell that someone in the band admired it, you know? Uh, and, and I like how the drumming just sticks out there. I actually, for some reason, don't remember listening to this one a lot much back in the day, probably because like most, I was just into the singles, right? Uh, it's not overly complicated with, with its meaning and the content, uh, but I like the position of it on the album. And uh, after, you know, the previous... Um, you know, after the previous tune we heard, which I liked uh, again, alone and easy target. So I, I dug this song. Uh, track six is floaty. Uh, this is the beginning, uh, for me of getting a little unengaged in this album. I don't mind the acoustic beginning, uh, nor the change in tempo, but it drags. It's almost like it's five songs from that band fig dish that we had. A review. <laughs> I mean, I, I sure do remember listening to this back in the day because I remember I, I wanted the, the song to end, uh, something happening often, uh, during this time was the abundance of mid tempo songs. Um, you know, and like that, they were very mediocre. So, and that's what the song is to me, along with being super repetitive. So that's, that's my thoughts on floaty. Yeah. You're going to hear a, a lot of what Frank just said in this. It's very much the feel of 95. It's got that yeah. intro doesn't really go anywhere. We pick up tempo uh, and volume just long enough to create a mid tempo snooze fest. Um, I think he managed to capture the sound you would expect from a song called floaty. Yeah. That's all it does. It, it floats and fades away and otherwise pretty boring despite trying to make the end of it a little bit heavy. Like you, you could tell he was like, Oh fuck, we got to fix this at the end. And just, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, otherwise see Frank's notes. Uh, track seven is called weenie beanie. Can you say that uh, again, please? Weenie beanie. <laughs> um, it's the hard rock number of the album. Yes. Uh, musically, I like that he's showing off his appreciation for hard rock and metal. But my God, is this song not about <laughs> anything? And it's impossible to understand. I, I, I listened to it while reading the lyrics like six times. It, 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 I, would, uh, I would have liked to have seen this go get like a decent chorus and hook in the hopes that this song could really say something or do something. Uh, Dave's got the lyrical fortitude uh, to create really catchy, fun songs. And I feel like musically he had it and Weenie Beanie just did nothing. You know, it's funny too. You say that there was something there was a, I was trying to figure out what was missing from it. And, and I think you nailed it. The hook, the hook was definitely 
missing from this. Now, the, the song is named after an extinct fast food chain. Uh, so it's the heavy song. And, and I'm sure, you know, the angriness uh, of the song was good therapy for Girl at the time. Uh, I think the heavy and fast, I like the heavy and fast transitioning guitars. The screaming with the guitar riff playing in the background reminds me of a little of what's to come in the early 2000s. Uh, it doesn't blow you away with regards to being like this amazing piece of music, but I do appreciate the anger uh, and the energy of the song. So this one I didn't mind, but you know, I'm saying this now, as Mark said it previously, the uh, hook is what was needed for the song. Um, do, you, do you think he's angry about Weenie Beanie closing? Is that what the song's about? I, oh, maybe. I, you I, know, I don't. I wonder when it closed. Actually, I don't know. I know. I, I didn't know it was a restaurant until just now when you told me. Yeah. So I can't. I can't think of a single time where I've ever wanted to go to a place called Weenie Beanie, but. <laughs> I just like the way you say weenie beanie, you know, so <laughs> so here we go. Uh, it's a chain. It was a chain of fast food restaurants, which is now reduced to one location. One location. Listen what it sells, pal. Half smokes, hot dogs and pulled pork sandwiches. Okay. I want to go. And soft drinks. <laughs> this is, this is a. Uh, check out this record uh, uh, episode where we where we go to Weenie Beanie and and, and check yeah. that out. Right, uh, we need to our Patreon to pay for that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so it's in Arlington. So it looks like it's in Virginia. Oh, okay. Which is where he's from, so that would make sense. And it even says here, Dave Grohl from Anafu Fighters and former DC area resident wrote a song called Weenie Beanie. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Oh, George, that's the next one. And I wonder how much of this album was just Grohl wanting to get whatever he had from pen to paper and then recording, regardless of song quantity or quality, excuse me, uh, because this tune to me is the epitome of a less than mediocre rock song from the mid 90s. It does nothing for me, and there's nothing else I could say about it. Oh, George. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy that this is uh, one verse and a chorus that repeats twice, a guitar solo, which actually the guitar solo is not bad. No, it's not. Um, it's not. That's all right. Then the first two lines of the chorus again, and that's it. Uh, to me, this is uh, where having the rest of a band around you to flesh out a song would have been really helpful. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's an odd thing. It seems like, you know, I remember pulling up the lyrics to this and being like, where are the rest of them? Like, this can't be, what is, what is this? And just <laughs> like, oh, okay. Oh, um, Good one. The third single off this album, for no fucking reason. <laughs> I had no um, idea. <laughs> is a song called For All the Cows. Um, this is a case of a, a great song with, with terrible lyrics. I shouldn't say a great song. Musically, uh, he delivers here but the lyrics just fall short of what sounds like a, a fat slur, right? This just sounds like somebody calling somebody else a, a fat cow. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's not a fat slur. It's, I don't have a clue what this is supposed to mean. Yeah. The role is a cow. I, I really, certainly not then when he, you know, like he was like the skinniest thing after Nirvana. What I mean, like he's, he's almost a big dude now. Like I think he weighs, now he weighs as much as I did in high school. Like, <laughs> 
I, I don't know. It, I, I just don't understand for all the cows what it means. Like, it's got to be some reference. Like, is it like South Park where the cows are just like the school mascot? So they just call each other cows. I, I don't get it. <laughs> it made no sense to me. It almost I, I'm sure I was into it when I was a kid because I, I loved dumb stuff, apparently. Um, but now I'm just like, I feel like an idiot for even suggesting that this album was cool with this dumb fucking song on it. Yeah, I mean, and how about us? I had no idea knowing that this was even a single. I mean, didn't, yeah, didn't even know. So it's a song on the first album, right? With this tempo, you could tell it, it does, though, set up like kind of their hits and what's to come on their next few albums, you, you know, tempo wise. Right, right. Content-wise, though, it's weird, right? So I, I'm assuming it's about what people were saying about Dave at the time. Cow had to mean something else, or he just changed it for whatever for whatever reason. I mean, you do have a big chorus, right? And, you know, it, 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 I'm trying to think of different verbiage to describe some of these songs here, but I can't. So, it, you know, again, though, it goes nowhere. So it has the potential, like you said, Mark. It's kind of like, oh, it has this foundation, and it could be cool, and then it doesn't. And it just sits here on this album, floating at the track nine, position uh you know i get he's learning his craft with regards to songwriting and maybe the task of playing everything on the album maybe he's caused some of the songs to sound like this i'm, I'm not sure but you know meh that's all i could say meh yeah. <laughs> track 10 is ecstatic ecstatic this is uh, a cover of um uh static x right yeah that's what exactly yes <laughs> That'd be an interesting for, cover. for six more years Right, yeah. <laughs> the only song on the album actually that features somebody, and that somebody is Greg Dooley from the Afghan Wigs. Uh, Dooley says that he didn't even get out of his chair. Uh, he was just handed a guitar, and that was it. Uh, this song, I am sad to say, is four minutes and 13 seconds too long, though. Um, so, And that's a long four minutes and 13 seconds. It crawls, like it crawls, and it keeps the listener stagnant, and that's not fun at all uh it's i got a low-grade headache actually from listening to this so uh, it's definitely my least favorite on the record <laughs> uh, you, say this, you nailed it uh this is a long intro to a song i could have figured out how to actually get into they just kept playing the intro for four minutes and just finally <laughs> gave up on it um i like the sound they create but they never bothered to, to progress it. it. It doesn't go anywhere. Frank absolutely nailed it. It's four minutes of, so what are we doing? Um, I like the way he's singing. Uh, lyrically, it's it's interesting, but it's a slog to listen to. It, it, it's painful. Um, Frank's absolutely right. It, it just doesn't go anywhere. It's the beginning of a really cool song that's never going to get made because this thing just stretched itself <laughs> out like silly putty. Uh, <laughs> Track 11 is Watershed. 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 I love that he structured this song around a little punk riff and just powers through it um, as pissed as he wants to be with what sounds like a legal situation. Yeah, um, I, I can see that. Um, I would have loved to see more of this out of the band as they progressed. I, I really like the sound. I like the style. Um, easily my favorite track on the back half of this record um, but there you go. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, it's an homage to Grohl's more uh, early and more punk days, which I always appreciated his musical roots. And again, like the track, uh, like the track earlier on the record, uh, "Good Grief," it's his version of punk, where it's not exactly how we think, but it's mixed with the '90s grunge. And so this is what we get. It's you know, it's definitely a, a good, a, an okay and good track, and I'm more than okay with the length after uh, the last song after that. <laughs> yeah. Now we get to the last track, Mark. Ironically, it's called Exhausted. Mm-hmm. So true to the track name, the song leaves you, again, exhausted. The repetitive oh. and buzzing chord progressions mixed with melancholy vocals. Uh, I suppose this is fitting and intentional for the end of the record. That's all I'm going to say about it. What about you? <laughs> uh, I love the super fuzzy down-tempo intro after Watershed. Uh, the, the way it was placed, I thought that was really good. I just wish it wasn't the rest of the song because this thing is almost six minutes long of just fuzz. Uh, We get this big rift um, guitar part two minutes in, which is cool. But as soon as the the music comes up and builds as quick as that finally happens after two minutes, it's just gone back into this fuzzed down tempo opening, you know, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat. Um, well, you know, they, they finally fade out just into static, and it's 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 just a bummer. Uh, the song uh, had a lot more potential than what ended up on the record, and I really feel um, just kind of takes the end of this record and just kind of like dumps it in the mud. They just gave up. <laughs> Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a theme now with us talking, especially in the back half of this record, is there was potential. There was potential there. Yeah. It's not like these songs were just crap all on all areas. Um, and again, six days. Yeah, He did absolutely. this record himself in six days. That's a feat. Uh, I'm not... No. Is it a good record? Is it an impressive effort? Absolutely. There you go. Right, absolutely. exactly. Let's be correct with our verbiage here. Absolutely. By, absolutely. by any means, we're not... We're, we're, not, we're not saying that this is uh, a poor record by any stretch of the imagination. Frank, why you know, don't you dive into the, the final thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, we like Foo Fighters, right? I mean, we, we do. I, I, I mean, we you had some interesting points to make and, and note about the band. I mean, you know, this is, this is us sounding old here, but they are one of the few traditional longstanding rock acts today. Uh, I mean, the, their show we saw, again, was highly entertaining. I had a fantastic time. Uh, Grohl seems like a super cool dude, and he seems super humble by his success. And I think maybe a lot of that nice guy deflect maybe some of the mediocre songs that we might hear from the band and that presents uh, that that they present and this thrusts them into a higher category along with their longevity uh you know i think i may have perceived them being a little uh, better than they are which means i guess i romanticize about them a little bit uh this album though although maybe not having all the members i i think that's that's where this flaw maybe could be because again he doesn't have stuff to bounce things off of what people People. If you think about who he brings into the lineup, I mean, he's got the bass player from Sunday Day Real Estate. He had uh, Pat Smear, who played with him in Nirvana and was in the Germs. You know, down the road, he gets Chris Shiflett from No Use for a Name. So, I mean, he's got some people really to bounce some stuff off of. Um, so, you know, it's 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 definitely. I think that could have been a challenge for him. You get some fun songs, you get some rocking songs, a few like two really really good songs, and the rest are you know on the corner of Ordinary Avenue and So So Lane. If you think about it, and you know, I I, I still like I'll stick around and Alone and an Easy Target, uh, but the rest of this album 
is a, it's a big bowl of mediocrity for me. What about you, man? Wow. Uh, I'd just like to state Frank had a really good time at that Foo Fighters show. I did. Um, because Jimmy Eat World opened for them. Oh, that was, yeah, it was fantastic. Me. I enjoyed Against Me more than Jimmy Eat World, but you really enjoyed Jimmy Eat World. I did. Anyways, uh, you know, yeah, the Foo Fighters are an interesting piece of the rock and roll world from this record on. You know, um, I did that full discography dive uh, with this one, and it's kind of funny how planned so much of it is they have this huge catalog and it's it's completely normal for uh, a record to not connect with a listener but this is what's wild to me is that it takes if you take the singles out there's very few songs that are truly memorable like what frank and i would usually refer to as uh, deep tracks right there's just not a lot there to hold on to um, it's pretty crazy, you know, for all the cows, uh, was the third single on this. So I guess some record executive thought it would have been a better release than big me, which <laughs> is the fourth single. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to remember that they've put out 40 singles at this 40. point from 12 albums. Uh, one of which hasn't come out yet. It'll come out next year. Um, and one of them was the greatest hits released back in 2009. I think that's when we saw him, Frank. Yes. Um, uh, with 16 tracks on it, the only tracks from that, uh, from the self-title was Big Me on their best of, uh, or their greatest hits, excuse me. Um, and then it had three previously unreleased tracks on it. Um, you know, they've had a long career and, and do put on a great show. Um, yes. I think Dave has taken his love for all kinds of rock and roll and directly plug those influences into the Foo Fighters, as well as his side project, everything from Probot to um, my favorite Queens of the Stone Age albums, the one him playing drums on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes a plugging all that energy into the one band, the one outfit in the Foo Fighters um, worked, and sometimes not so much. Uh, so to answer your question, Frank, does this record hold up? The first three tracks, for sure. <laughs> the rest of it, uh, the nostalgia fades pretty quick because there's a there's a lot of kind of like, wait, what to get through, yeah. um, and, it, and it can be very disoriented. Like I listened to this album on loop several times, and it 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 just kind of like you get disoriented with it. It's it's an odd record in that way, top yeah. to bottom. Um, yeah. I don't know that it's my favorite album of theirs. Um, but I don't see myself rushing back to any other albums any particular time soon. So it's really, does it hold up? Do I stand by my statement that it's their best album? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's the best way to leave it. It was said too with, with every, with everything else. I think that's really the best way to kind of surmise them. Um, and it Thanks, is, it, it is an impressive effort by one person yeah, to absolutely. put that out too. Yeah. So, yeah. So next Thanks episode, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Greg doing. I had no idea that, that that he was on there. Yeah, yeah, interesting, right? So here we go, right? The build up to the 49th episode, and of course the 50th. The next week, Mark, next on the docket, we have the legendary unplugged album by Nirvana. And the question is, my man, if we will still feel that performance is legendary to us 
uh, once we go back and listen to it, I'm amped to give it a spin without any distraction. Of course, it's not like I haven't heard a couple of songs here and there, but really to listen, to sit down, no distractions and listen to it front to back. I'm excited for it. Mark, are you excited for this episode? I am. I am. Look, look, I'm completely pulling this out of my butt when I say, uh, when I say this, but I'm pretty sure this is the best selling unplugged album that's ever been released. Yeah. Um, the song choices are incredible. And of course, Kurt's banter with the audience is, is genuine and really you feel him getting into this performance. It's, it's easily Generation X's greatest cultural edition short of the internet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Mark and I have talked about this record for a while, putting it on, on an episode. So I think it's very fitting that we have it here get, as we are approaching our 50th episode. So we're excited for it. And we hope all of you guys out there like it. So listen, thank you for for listening. Thank you for checking us out. Remember, you could check us out in all the places we mentioned earlier. Leave a rating. If you like us, you could always suggest a record to us. Thank you. And of course, be safe out there. Bye-bye.